Welcome to the Relentless Pursuit Podcast. A great task remains, and we all have a role we can play. But what do we do with the questions we have about missions, about walking with God, about ourselves? Well, here's a space for us to wrestle and discover together. We don't have to have it all figured out to take our next step. Let me introduce today's guest. Kim is a 30-something who has served the last three years in the Middle East. She's taken several short-term trips where the Lord has grown her understanding of His love for the nations and has given her a desire to serve throughout these opportunities. She'll be heading back overseas to a region to partner with a local church in evangelism and church planting to the unreached. Welcome back, y'all. We have been rocking and rolling with the Relentless Pursuit podcast over here. I hope you guys have had a chance to catch up on our episodes because we are deep in the trenches right now with our conversations about biblical risk, uh, biblical suffering, mobilization, God's will, resiliency. These convos may be a bit uncomfortable, but oh, how they draw us closer to God, uh, closer to each other. And my prayer is that they will begin um, as kind of like a launching point for you to respond to God, respond out of obedience and enjoy your faith in God. So today's episode is no exception from this great list of resources we've created here. And today we are talking to Kim. As I mentioned in her introduction, Kim is a girl who has been all over this great wide world. She has seen and encountered many people groups and cultural realities and has sought the counsel of the Lord to determine her next steps. So Kim, I am thrilled to chat with you today. So am I, Emily. Thanks for having me. Ah, uh, definitely. I'm so excited for our conversation today because you have been serving in the Middle East for a long time, and I just have so many questions for you. So can you give us a quick um, kind of snapshot of just how long had you been serving in the Middle East? Sure. So I just recently got back at the end of September from three years, uh, basically serving in a country in the Middle East. And yeah, um, so now I'm home and resting yeah. and preparing to head back. Yeah. Okay, definitely. And we want to hear all about that. So if y'all caught that, Kim served for three years and now she's home resting for a bit before she regathers and um, heads back out to the Middle East. So Kim, kick us off by sharing a quick timeline or kind of like a flight pattern that God has led you through um, kind of with, throughout your time following him and encountering global mission. Sure, Absolutely. So um, in God's grace, I was raised in a Christian home and came to know the Lord at a really young age. But I would say that it, um, it took several years um, throughout college and a bit after college to really um, begin to understand uh, ultimately really the gospel. I would say that I grew up in a, in a home where I learned about Jesus and I knew all of these stories, but I didn't really understand the gospel until I was well into my adult years. It was actually um, after moving, um, after going to college um, and moving to the D.C. area that I got plugged in, plugged into um, a church where I really heard the gospel fully and understood it fully, I would say. I, like, I literally remember the sermon that was preached that day, and it literally felt like, felt like these scales falling from my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I really began to understand really Jesus, the depth of Jesus's love for me. So it wasn't 
yeah, it was this palpable thing of, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. Like I know he died for me, but no, like he loves me, um, you know, with Hesed, with this like unfailing love. And it really changed my life. Um, And at the same time, um, by God's grace, I was plugged into a Christian community um, with a with a group of girls. Uh, one of the girls at the time actually shared with um, our group about this potential for this short term missions trip uh, to Guatemala, um, and asked if any of us would be interested in going with her. And I said, um, at the time, again, um, I had actually just came back from visiting my parents in New Jersey. And hearing about these missionaries who had been serving in Colombia, and it's as if the Lord planted this like the seed in me of um, of this curiosity of like what does it look like like that these people you know go over to this uh, country and sell all of their things and invest in these communities, and so all that to say, I um, one of my first short term trip back in two thousand and nine, um, that was like. It was Thanksgiving 2009, and that trip really opened my eyes to, again, to God's love uh, for the nations. Um, I think sometimes here in America, we, yeah, we are, we just see what we see here, and we don't see past what God is doing globally. Um, And as we read his word um, more and more, we definitely see that God's desire is for all people from all places, from all nations. Um, to know him. And so it was as if, as I was reading the word and experiencing this thing that, you know, scripture for me was really be- beginning to come alive uh, for me in this sweet way. And so soon after that trip, actually it was three months after that trip, I actually went on another short-term trip uh, to Honduras. Um, and these trips were really a gift to me in, in some ways because I, I am Latina and I, I do speak Spanish. And so it was really cool to be able to um, use, yeah, this, this language skill that God, you know, birthed me into um, to be able to share the gospel. Um, and yeah, and again, see God's, just God's heart for people to know him. Um, the trips were both particularly working with, uh, with children, um, particularly orphan children, and yeah, just seeing God's tenderness um, towards the orphan. And that was just such a sweet experience. Uh, And then um, about nine months after that second trip, I had the opportunity to go off to Africa, to Kenya. And this was a bit of a longer trip um, and definitely a different trip. But again, it was also with with children and, and some refugees actually as well. And the Lord began to yeah, planted me a desire um, even more fully uh, to, yeah, to go overseas. But in God's providence, um, you know, I came back and um, this desire was planted, but I didn't know what to do with that desire. And so I remember uh, just sharing with um, my pastors and people who had been really mentoring me and discipling me about this desire, but knowing that at the time, the Lord had called me to Northern Virginia to where I was to serve faithfully in the job that he had placed me in. And so at the time, I had been uh, working in education um, as a director of a, of a preschool. Um, and 
began to intentionally share the gospel there. And, um, and again, with, in God's grace, I had a really multi-ethnic group of, of ladies working with me. And, um, that was really sweet to be able to kind of learn more about, uh, their cultures, their faith, um, and then be able to, you know, to share mine with them. And so I feel like the Lord was, you know, beginning to, um, kind of chisel in me, like, um, or maybe refine, um, you know, what it looked like to share my gospel, to share the gospel with different people and, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. And so continued to serve faithfully in my church at the time and, um, as well as really be intentional about sharing the gospel where I was. And, um, and again, through community and through like mentorship began to, um, yeah, continue to learn what it looked like to, to pray about heading overseas as this desire was clearly still um, in me. But again, I just, you know, didn't know what that looked like. And so um, with, uh, so, you know, again, um, grateful for the church that the Lord has placed me in and the elders that surrounded me, they, you know, they knew this desire in me and they knew that I had really been praying about, um, you know, potentially heading overseas and, Again, just not sure. Just we, yeah, not sure the timeline or any of that stuff. Um, but in 2015, I took a, a trip with um, some elders from our church and some brothers, which is a, a really interesting trip um, to the Dominican Republic to a ministry that we had been partnered with. And um, and the reason that I went on this trip in particular is because they wanted me to see what it looked like. Um, yeah, to live overseas. And particularly, we were partnering and spending a lot of time with the missionaries um, on the field. And so um, they intentionally wanted me to spend a lot of time with the missionary and his family to learn. And and that's what I did. I soaked up for that week and, and a half or so um, time with them, asked a lot of questions and um. Yeah, and after that trip, I remember coming home and and really thinking, all right, Lord, well, maybe maybe I should go to the Dominican Republic. It makes sense. Uh, it's a place that um, there's lots of need. Um, but you know, at the time, I had um, had recently taken a perspectives class, and um, I you know I had this deep desire to go to the unreached, to places where. There weren't. There wasn't a lot of witness that there. That was, you know, it was maybe harder to share. And, um, and so through the wisdom of, you know, the elders and people in my community, decided that maybe that wasn't the best place for me to go. And so we continued to pray um, towards what that looked like. And it was actually another a faithful sister who had served with pioneers with her family in Indonesia for some time, who basically came to me and said, "Kim, hey, like." I've seen this desire um, in you. I've walked with you through, um, you know, these last several years and your gifting. Um, yeah, to say it lightly, she basically said that she, she'd been praying and she wondered if I had been, you know, basically living in disobedience um, out of fear, out of fear of going, out of fear of what it would look like to kind of leave everything behind, um, even fear of support raising, she said. Um, why don't you just, um, you know, pray about at least taking the step in 
reaching out to, um, you know, ascending organization and seeing what the Lord does. And so I remember the following that night in particular, after this conversation with her, having a hard time sleeping and just praying and saying, Lord, like, is this indeed like what I need to be doing? And um, to make a long story short, the following day I woke up and I filled out, um, yeah, an application with Pioneers. And wow. um, yeah, I had heard, you know, a lot about Pioneers, particularly through this, this couple who had served uh, with Pioneers in Indonesia. Um, and after coming back from that trip to the DR, I knew that I wanted to go to a place that was unreached. And I knew that Pioneers um, served the unreached and really wanted to um, equip, you know, missionaries to go to the unreached. And so it was just the perfect, yeah, it was a perfect um, opportunity to do so. And, and yeah, after that, um, I, uh, you know, went to explore and continue to learn more about the organization and what they were doing. And, um, and what led me to the Middle East in particular was, um, like I had said before, really through, through work and through my interactions with some of my uh, former employees um, and just being able to share my faith with them um, over those years, my, um, my desire to, to share particularly with, um, with Muslims had really grown and I had kind of um, torn into every book that I could about what it looked like to share my faith with, um, with Muslims. And, um, and so I knew in some sense, especially after that Dominican Republic trip, as I was, you know, really feeling a desire and particularly to the unreached that this was, these were the people that the Lord um, wanted me to, um, yeah, to go to. And so again, through lots of um, prayer and uh, conversations um, and even after a short trip to um, to Europe in particular to kind of see the refugee crisis that had really kind of started, you know, a couple years prior, um, I realized that, hey, like I would love to work with refugees in particular um, from Muslim backgrounds, but I knew, especially being, um, you know, a second language speaker that I wanted to be able to communicate to these people in their heart language. And so coming back and again, speaking with people at Pioneers and people at our church, uh, prayed about what it looked like to spend, you know, a couple years um, in devoted language and cultural acquisition to then ultimately launch out to a full-time team, a more okay. long-term team. Yeah. I, Kim. I'm thrilled that you are sharing all of this, and I have a couple things to say about it because I don't want anyone to miss this. Um, so a few highlights for me are, one, your friend um, – talk about a good friend. She did not want you to settle for anything less than what God may call you to. And wow, I pray that all of us have a friend in our life um, like her that can call us to greater, deeper trust in the Lord. Um, the second highlight I have is that the word kind of flashing in my mind here that's written over your life like on a banner is faithful. Like, what the heck? You have been to so many countries. 
You have tasted and seen the needs all around the world from all different people groups um, with all different kinds of language barriers, some that you could speak and some that you couldn't. And all the while, it was calling you deeper and deeper rather than pushing you farther away from the heart of God and uh, the desire he has to reach his people. You pressed into that and you were obedient to go deeper and deeper. And I'm just so thrilled. I'm so glad that people get to hear this story and see for themselves what would it be like to take these shorter term trips just to get to see kind of the cultural realities around the world. Um And to be able to see for themselves, God, where might you send me based off my own giftings, my own ability to speak the language and um, just my heart. And like you said, over time, you prayed that God would give you a heart for Muslims. And he did. And for you to be able to go from kind of these island nations and um, places in Africa to the Middle East to serve there. Uh, It's just incredible that your heart was able to adapt to different people groups and serve. And so, oh, Kim, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so, so exciting. Um, And you mentioned that obviously, you know, having to commit to a language, having to commit to a a new people group obviously comes with um, new struggle, new heartache. It's not like we just, these things just, you know, happen overnight, good grief. But um, can you tell us a bit about, okay, so once you kind of narrowed in on the Middle East and you arrived and you began that, you know, language and cultural acquisition program, um, what was that? like? Good grief. What was it like to kind of settle in and be at a country where you knew you weren't going to be there for just a week or two, but rather like, okay, I'm I'm in this for, for a good minute. So what were those realities like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, very difficult. <laughs> oh, I bet. You know, it's, yeah. Again, I think for me particularly too, I, you know, I had such a great community and church back here that leaving was that it, leaving that itself was difficult. Um, but again, you know, I wanted to be obedient. Um, and so I, yeah, I dove into this, um, this country and I, I remember the advice that someone had given me before leaving and their advice was to like, to, um, to like to pitch my tent and to really dig my pegs in deeply, which mm-hmm. meant to, you know, not just go and, um, kind of be a, yeah, just, especially for me knowing that I would be there, you know, potentially for a short amount of time, you know, two, three years. Um, sometimes it's easy to think, oh, well, I'm not going to be here forever. So I'm not going to necessarily invest in community the way that I would, if I was going to be here for a long time, but that was, that's good. I want, I want to make sure no one misses that. Um, so Kim just said that no matter how long she's there, she wants to invest in the community. And this touches back to even when you were still in transition, going back and forth to small uh, to short-term trips, and then you had landed in that um, ad- uh, administration role for a preschool or something like that where you were mm-hmm. um, teaching. And you had mentioned that even when you thought you were just going to be in the States for a hot minute with that teaching opportunity, you wanted to share the gospel with your coworkers and the fellow teachers, and you wanted to invest in in the community right around you. And I think this is something that, yeah, I don't want anyone to miss as it 
paints an even bigger picture of the heart of God when it comes to global mission, that not that we would just encounter you know, the unreached that are far away, but rather our heart is to invest in those who are around us. And obviously, that's true for when we live here in the States, of course. Um, and obviously, God has given us this great commission to go to those who may never hear. Um, but to hear it actually happening. Kim, in your life, you have chosen to invest for no matter how long you live in a certain country or a certain place, um, your heart is to invest in those around you. And that is a quality we're celebrating. So thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that and for um, letting us into that reality for you. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was worth it. (laughs) So I think uh, when I look back on it, I it made leaving particularly very difficult because I had, you know, built such strong relationships with people. Um, But I wanted to make sure that I was there and, you know, investing my life and spending, you know, my time well, um, because I knew that the Lord had, first of all, the Lord is, is worth it. You know, like it's, it's what he'd called, what he calls us to do. Um, and his great commission. It's not just going, it's going, teaching and teaching them to obey, right? So that's part of um, one of the things that I like, I loved to be able to do there was um, in particular, I got to, while I was in this country, um, you know, I, I, when I look back on it, it's again, God's ways are so much better. And I'm so grateful for that. One of the communities that I got to invest in were um, were Iraqi refugees, but Christian background Iraqi, Iraqi refugees, right? So um, I remember going and saying, "All right, Lord, well, I want to, you know, invest in the lives of of Muslims." And you know, I had lots of opportunity to do that, but who would have thought that I would have also been spending so much time with Iraqi Christian background believers? But in that, um, I had the opportunity to really study the Word with them. So this class, I, I was basically teaching a, um, an English class, but this was a conversation class. And so um, through that, I had asked at one point if they would be open to studying the word together, right? Because what, you know, what best to be able to open God's word and kind of communicate that to one another and kind of, you know, share what we're learning through, through God's word. And um, that was one of the best opportunities that I had, I had there was to invest in their lives and seeing them, like seeing them learn to obey what they were reading Hmm. um, was such a delight during that time. Um, Again, not what I would have expected, but glad that the Lord's ways are are better than mine. Totally, totally. So you mentioned that you spent three years in the Middle East, and of course that included your language and your cultural acquisition training um, programs. And so give us a bit of a I don't know if there was like a TV show about Kim's life in the Middle East. Give us kind of like what the first couple episodes would look like of you realizing, wow, I am far from home right now and uh, people don't you know, sound like me. And I obviously am learning how to eat new foods and how to connect with women who obviously have different, a different cultural background than I do. So let us into a little bit of what that was like for you of just obviously all the newness, but rather even a bit further than that. Like when did you begin to feel like, okay, I am home for now. Like this is my home and I will learn to be a part of this community. Yeah. 
Great question. I wish I could tell you that it happened really fast, but it didn't. Mm, <laughs> it yeah. took yeah, it took several months of really I remember listening to to Rachel's podcast um earlier. Um, oh yeah. In, yeah. Yeah, in the podcast series and um she had said something uh yeah, about this idea of like like feeling of of loneliness, right? And in that loneliness, yes. like really you know, pressing into the Lord and learning, you know, very much like her, I'm a verbal processor, I'm a people person. And, and yet I was ripped away, right? You're whipped away from your community, from people that you know, from things that are comfortable, and put in this environment where you're like, you really have to start start all over again. Um, And, you know, you have your team, which is a gift. And my team was absolutely a gift to me. But I didn't know them. And they didn't know me either. And it took time, right? It took, you know, and it took time to kind of build, you know, to build that. Um, but in that most of my time in the beginning really looked like me getting up early in the morning, going to language school, um, and coming home to nap because it's exhausting. I didn't, I had no idea that it would take that much, you know, energy, um, to learn a new language, but yeah, coming home, napping, getting up, studying, um, and for the first few months, it was very limited interaction, I would say, with uh, people around me. Again, part of it is because I didn't know how to communicate. You yeah. know, I knew yeah. like madhaba, like, which is, you know, hello. And that was the extent of what I knew. Um, but I quickly got invested in a in a church community there. And that really was um, such an anchor for me during my time there. Um, cause that's, you know, again, you have, thank God for the church, um, and just kind of built in community there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, again, language looks, I think it looks different in different seasons as well of your learning kind of process. So the first, I would say the first year, it was a lot of, yeah, just, um, kind of studying on my own. I had, I ended up finding maybe three months into my time there, a language nurturer, um, who, you know, was local and um, built a really sweet relationship with her. And from that, I began to kind of go out more, right? So as I was learning um, how to kind of communicate more, um, it gave me a bit more, um, the word in Arabic is shuja, like kind of like encouragement to like go off and, um, and, and share and, you know, go to a shopkeeper and you know, have a little conversation or, or stuff like that. And so. Yeah. So for your ministry in the Middle East, uh, yeah, you mentioned just briefly how that language coach really helped you to feel more confident to reach out to folks around you. But for those listening who maybe, you know, have always had an interest in the Middle East and they're wondering if they can, you know, put themselves in your shoes and, and go do what you have done, um, what does your ministry look like? Or rather, what did your ministry look like in those three years of, yeah, was it just kind of this concept of evangelism where you wanted to, yeah, just visit folks on the street and be someone who could make those kind of quick touch points? Or um, did you have a very specific um, people group or a very specific kind of outlet that you pursued while you were there to reach others? Yeah. Um, so yes and yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so basically Great. kind of both. In, um, again, in the beginning, I – I uh, didn't really know anybody, so um, it was really through through the church and through uh, like visiting ministries that I began to get in more into people's homes. 
Um, and so that's kind of what that looked like for some time. And then eventually I uh, got connected with a ministry through another church that was, you know, teaching English. And through that, I began to get to know people. And that's really where my relationships kind of grew from. And, hmm. and I lived in a, I lived in a part of the city, particularly where there were a ton of refugees, particularly Syrian refugees. Um, and so I happened to be teaching English to uh, Syrian and Yemeni refugee women. Wow. And through that, that's really where my relationships grew from. It grew from that one class in particular that then, uh, yeah, that then um, connected me uh, into the homes of these women, like more intentionally, more of like a, a daily kind of visit or, um, yeah, and, and in particular, a family that really over time took me in, in some sense, as as one of their own and who really just cared for me, loved me well. And um, yeah, and that was just wow. such a, a sweet, yeah, sweet time. Yeah, praise God for access. I mean, what the heck? How could we have ever, you know, dreamed that for someone who was new to the Middle East and at the, at the time maybe uncertain of the types of women that, you know, you'd want to connect with, God not only leads you to Arabic women, but also Syrian women and um, folks who are um, hungry for friendship and connection and safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thrilled that you had so many touch points there during your time. Uh, okay. So yeah, again, for those who maybe are interested in the Middle East, tell us a bit about your favorite day or, you know, the times when you thought, wow, I am loving this food or I cannot get enough of, yeah, the cuisine or the culture or things like that. So tell us about some of those things that really excited you while you were there. Oh, there's so many things when I think about it. I was just oh, I telling bet. somebody the other day that, you know, of course I miss the food, but just the, it's it's different. Like I was explaining to them that uh, a lot of times with the families that I spent time with, like you eat on the floor, right? They take this mm, big right. um, kind of tablecloth that is, that they end up throwing away. It's like the 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 best thing it, it it makes sense it's like basically they throw this like uh plastic thing on the floor you put the food there uh arabic food is very like meze very small kind of um dishes with then like maybe like a big kind of center dish that everyone kind of you know eats out of which right. sounds strange right. but it's actually wonderful and yeah. it makes total sense <laughs> so um yeah, it's just, it's communal. Like it's this idea of communal dining. Like I miss that, like, you know, coming back to the States, it's, it's just different. Like I really mm -hmm. miss that idea of like sitting together on the floor or around a table to um, really kind of commune together over this meal. Um, it was, yeah, it was such a gift. Um, oh, yeah. So of course all of the yummy food, um, but the music too, like there's always music everywhere. Um, I kind of miss that, the smells that, um, that you experience on the streets of like fresh bread, like y'all Arabic fresh bread is so good. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was, I mean, there's so many things that, um, that I, I love about, um, the Middle East, but it really is that idea of like, just of just the community of just the sitting around and talking and, um, and sharing. And of course, drinking super yummy tea um, yeah. or super heavy Turkish coffee <laughs> at all hours of the night. Like, oh, wow. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how I got used to it, but by God's grace, I did. (laughs) And I miss it. It's like, you know, it's like one o'clock in the morning and you're having Turkish coffee, uh, but it's, it's normal there. It's what you do. It's a very late, it's a late culture. And so I would find myself, um, yeah, just up pretty late. So. Oh, wow. Thank you for walking us through that. I, I think for me, especially being a bit more of a visual learner to actually kind of be able to close my eyes and kind of picture you, you know, walking the streets and smelling the bread and hearing the music and the voices and all these things. It gives me so much more insight into how God equips us. When I picture myself and I'm, well, for those listening, um, I'm actually extremely introverted. And so often, you know, big crowds or um, rather like something that's just so new and so adventurous often just makes me feel so exhausted and I don't get excited about it. But what I do get excited about is when I hear about how other people are made for it, like, and they kind of can just own it. That makes me feel so excited. And it's like I'm watching a movie or something. So for me to hear about you, Kim, and how you know, you had taste tested all of these countries around the world and these people groups and these cultures and these languages. And and then you ended up here and you were able to embrace the country, the food, the language, the people, and to really enjoy it and to see yourself trust God in the process of language learning. It makes me feel excited that there are people who are, um, their hearts are just made for um, this work and how God has called them and equipped them. And it's just really exciting. And so, uh, okay, one last question I'd love to kind of dive into for those listening is the idea of vision. So um, picture this, that, you know, you were working for three years and now that you're, you know, back in the States and preparing to go back, um, I'm sure three years seems like nothing. But at the time, I'm sure three years is you know, it's three years. It's it's kind of, it's this longer stint of time where everything is so new. You're napping all the time. You're, you're missing your home, all these things. So it could feel like a lot longer than that. So in the midst of those three years in the Middle East, um, tell us about what do you do when you feel like, am I losing vision? You know, am I kind of getting weary in this work or God, like how much longer might I be here for? And so you know, what, what What would you do, Kim, to kind of ask God to stoke that vision in you and to keep it fresh so that for however much longer, you know, he would have asked you to stay beyond those three years, you know, for that stint. Um, what would that have been like for you to walk with God and not grow weary or lose vision or kind of just get lost in the mundane of ministry? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to do that. It's easy to kind of lose focus and, um, but for me, I mean, it was for sure. Um, I remember uh, before getting there, kind of journaling. I have this journal entry from like before I left, um, and and talking about what I prayed um, my time there would look like. Um, and beyond, you know, everything, it was that I would not lose my um, my affections for the Lord, and ultimately that He would always be. Um, you know, like that I would, I would be consistent and in, in spending time with him and that I would be led by him and not my own kind of emotions or whims or any of those things. Right. Um, and so it, it really looked for me like going back to that sometimes and saying, Hey, am I, am I doing this? Um, and also again, like community is so key, like being able to have 
people that I was accountable to say, Hey, Kim, like, are, are you doing this? Like, what does, what do your days look like? Are you, um, are you, are you waning? Um, are you, are you in the word? What are you studying? What is the Lord teaching you? Like all of those things, because I think it's easy to get wrapped up in, um, especially in places where there's lots of need, like just the busyness of the life there, the busyness of, you know, of the relationship building, the busyness of, of work or whatever it is and lose sight of, first of all, the person um, who has, who has called you to be there and and why he's called you to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead get caught up in um, just the busyness of life, which is, you know, similar here, like in America, we just get, you know, get caught up in, the busyness of the day to day that um, we forget to, you know, um, stoke that greatest affection, the thing that um, that drives us, the thing that gives us, um, you know, that our hope is is found in, and that's Christ. And it's easy to instead get caught up in all those other things. So for me, it was really, I don't know if I'm answering it well, but it was just making sure that I was indeed um, spending time with the Lord um, mm-hmm. instead of again, like there's, there's always need no, no matter where you go. Um, but ultimately even in the serving in any of those things, if I wasn't spending time with, with the Lord, um, I, I easily saw myself wandering into, into busyness or idleness or, or any of those things. And ultimately, um, with that, as I was, you know, kind of considering what, was next and what this, what, you know, the Lord, what vision he had ahead of me. Um, you know, I, yeah. Um, I was able to see it, I guess, more clearly. Yeah. No, no, no. You make a good point because I think what I'm hearing, if I'm hearing this correctly, if there were some kind of, you know, myth that we could dispel for anyone listening and, you know, just over the idea of what makes a missionary or someone who is relocating, you know, their life to be able to invest in God's people. It's that they are not by any means just exempt from worldly struggle, from hurt, from pain, from distraction, from idleness, from um, growing weary. And so for you to, you know, declare that, no, I especially had to remain deeply in the word. I had to drink deeply from God's word every day so that I would not grow weary and lose sight of Jesus' life and his ministry and his um, grace over me. And so this is really good for us to hear, Kim, because I would never want anyone to think that you're just exempt. You, but because you have been called to this high, you know, commission, this this opportunity, you're being sent, that you're just invincible. And it's just not true. There is great um, warfare and um, attack that comes to those who are being um, sent for those who are intervening on behalf of the lost. And so I'm really, really glad that you shared that with us because it gives us just such a realistic view of, gosh, no matter where we are working, what we are doing, how we are serving, we will always need to drink deeply from God's word and to have it be um, the background music of our day. Um, completely. And I, if there was such a thing as a checklist for kind of maybe like what makes a a missionary, if there was such such a thing as that, um, you mentioned two things today that I would like to add to that list, and that is accountability and teachability. 
Um, you have mentioned several times throughout today's episode that you had invited other women into your life to hold you accountable to um, how you were hearing from God and your obedience to God, helping you address any kind of sin in your heart that perhaps was a blind spot to you, and helping you to stay accountable to um yeah, walking with God. And so mm-hmm. I think that is such a, it's so easy to have kind of this private life of, you know, I, I kind of just want to do this alone. I want to just kind of embrace my life and go at it, you know, full force and just, I don't know, be a martyr and do all these things. But rather with you declaring like, no, I I want help. I want these other women and men who have gone before me to speak into my life, help me to be accountable to these things. And then also you were teachable. You allowed those women to, to address those things in you and to be able to learn new things from them and to let your life be shaped by, you know, these voices that you could really trust and you had seen in their lives, the fruit of walking with God. So yeah, if I could just put a stamp on, on that list of, of kind of those qualities of a missionary, it would certainly be accountability and teachability. And I'm so glad that we can see those qualities in your life, Kim, and in your story. I see it written all over it by God's grace. And I'm just really thankful for your for your story today. Um, can we hear just a quick second about, yeah, you heading back to the Middle East? What's in store for you? Yeah. So the one thing that... Um, Again, I think I had mentioned it earlier that I was invested in a, in a local church there and through that church was able to really uh, begin to invest in, in people's lives and, um, and all of that. And so the one thing that um, the Lord had particularly made clear for me was um, that wherever I went next, like I knew that I wanted to be in a place where I could speak Arabic and share the gospel in this language that I had you know, spent three years kind of investing in. Um, but I also knew that I wanted to particularly partner with the local church, um, in helping to, um, encourage the saints to, um, and to, and to ultimately like, you know, church plant to plant churches. And so I, um, you know, again, um, through, uh, you know, faithful friends back in the States and even, you know, back overseas kind of just, you know. Um, as people were praying, hey, hey, Kim, how can we pray for you and and what God has next? Like I, I shared those, you know, those two particular things. I wanted to be able to continue to speak Arabic, um, and I wanted to be able to partner with um, the local church. And so I was connected to, um, yeah, a ministry in this country that's close by, um, and had an opportunity to go visit there in the beginning of last year. And so. Um, I'll be headed to a neighboring country um, to work with um, a a local church there to um, to yeah to share the gospel and so uh, super excited uh, for that um, and yeah and just again just seeing God's uh, yeah God's means of of reaching. Um, the unreached through his church. Just super stoked and excited about that. Oh, definitely. And blessing over your trip, Kim. I'm so glad that you're able to be here in the States to rest and recalibrate, but that you are ready to be sent back out and to partner with the local church. We're excited for you. And thank you again for being on our episode today. I can't wait for people to hear your story and to be encouraged and to take their next steps. So thank you so much, Kim. Thanks, Emily. 
Thanks for making time for our discussion today. If you've got questions or feedback, send us a DM on our Instagram at Relentless Pursuit Podcast or contact us through our website at RelentlessPursuitPodcast.org. You are not alone in the relentless pursuit of God's glory. We are here with you and are passionate about helping you take your next step.